All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Commissioned in 2009, but it is designed to look like an old 1500s, like Victorian era pirate ship, a la Pirates of the Caribbean. And it's all like very dark chocolatey wood. Nice. Very Game of Thrones, too. It's kind of Game of Thrones y, I guess. Yeah. Well, there's some like pirates in Game of Thrones now. Oh, really? Well, kind of. There's a bunch of seafaring folk, and some of them have really badass boats. Okay. Not necessarily pirates. Becky and I were were down by, because it's the Tall Ship Festival in Halifax, and we were walking down there on the weekend, and it's amazing what it takes to impress certain people. Yeah. Really give that a good turn so it doesn't flop down. Microphone logistics. And this one uh, young lady says to another young lady, I sound like the oldest motherfucker in the world. (sighs) This person says to another person, uh, it's not really a tall ship, though, is it? And her friend was like, no, not really. And then the other person said, I mean, it is tall. And in my head, I went, and it is a ship. I mean, I don't but know what she expects. It's a tall ship. I think it's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's a tall ship. Yeah, it's in the name. It's, it lives up to its name. Yeah, it has huge masts. Wow. So I enjoy... I don't know what it is. I, th- I think it's just like the little little boy in me that still exists that like really loves like pirate ships and castles. I also love castles. Yeah, yeah. They the pi- the ships are cool. I I didn't get down because I said I was saying it was so busy. Mm. But um, I feel like I'd appreciate it more now than when I was young. Like I yeah. got used to stuff really quick when I was young. Sure. You know, you're like, oh yeah, it's crazy, and then it's like, okay, yeah, no, I'm I'm good now. I you're kind of spoiled a little bit. I think, well, yeah, I guess so. Spoiled with entertainment. Well, on the one hand, they say that, like, childlike wonder makes everything in the world incredible. Right. But I also think, like, you don't have a have a real standard for what to expect from the world when you're a kid. So, like, if you see something extraordinary, like when like when parents of young children take their kid to, like, India or something, to right. sh- and their kid's, like, six. Right. Uh, maybe they're going to learn a thing or two that they otherwise wouldn't have, right. but they definitely cannot appreciate India when they're six. Right. They'd be amazed by the way they're amazed by like, like a new house that they've never seen. And they're just yeah. going to like start running around. Yeah. And, but it's not going to be like, wow, this is India. And this is special because. I guess you're right. Kids just kind of use the metric of, have I been in this room before? Yeah, honestly. <laughs> like when Jen's little cousins were over at our house the first day. It was like, sweet, let's jump off the stairs, let's <laughs> run upstairs, this is a good place to play hide and seek. How old let's are they? in the back of the truck, like like 17 and 18. Oh, really? No, no I'm just oh. joking. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I was going to say, they seem to have been very young forever. No, no, they're uh, 7 and 8, 7 and 9 now. Okay. Yeah. All right. They were 6 and 8 for at least a year. Yeah, that's the way math works. Yeah. Time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be 26 in five days. Ooh, how does that feel? I remember 26 being kind of like... Whew, yeah, it kind like, of is. You know, you're like officially first year after a quarter century. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, I might say it's the first time in my life I've been like a little bit ambivalent about yeah. age. Yeah. 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 And you totally. might think you might expect that of 20 or of 25. Not not because Not because of like the existential crisis, but just because there's no... There's no getting away with I'm young anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's true. You can say... Kind of an excuse that you have. I, I even catch myself doing it sometimes. Like somebody will ask me how old I am and I'll say, I'm, oh, I'm 25. 
and I'll like resist the urge to add, I'm just, I'm just a little 25. Like I'm just a little, right, cause I'm it doesn't really count guy. anymore. Yeah. Louis CK has a bit about that, about how once you reach, I think it's 40 in his bit, but once you reach 40, no one's impressed with anything you do. No. <laughs> yeah. It, it's true. And, and like, I just turned 28. Yeah. And that's, a, I was like, I guess I'm 28 now. <laughs> you so know. you weren't troubled by 28? Well, no, not really. I'm not troubled by 26. I'm just, it occurs to me that it is yeah. distinctly an adult's age. The thing too is I feel like people earlier in the year have it tougher. Okay. Because I still hang out with a big group of friends my age. Yeah. So everyone or like half of my friends turn a year older before I do. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat. You know? So you're yeah. kind of like, okay, I'm getting a feel for it. I'm going to be like, Jen's nine months older than me. So right. she's about to turn 29. Becky's three years turn. older than me. Right. Yeah. So she's been down that road. Yeah. <laughs> she's she already been, it. she's already been 26. Yeah. Anyhow. What was 26 like Becky? Becky, how was 26? Yeah. <laughs> it was good. I don't know. I think it, it worried me. Did you know Sweets at 26? Yes. Oh, okay. Were you guys dating? Mm, we were just barely dating, though. You were 25. You had just turned 25 when we were together. 25? Yeah. Because I remember thinking, oh, yeah, she's 25. I'm, oh, I'm only 22. I'm, I'm definitely misreading this. No, I was at first I was like, I'm definitely not reading these signs right. She's 25. So, Becky, are you 29? I'm turning 29. You're turning 29. When's your birthday? In many months. October what? October. October 4th. Oh, okay. Jen's October 15th. You're older than Jen by a couple days. Not much. Is Jen turning 29? Yep. Ah. Samesies. Tim older lady. Crazy. Look at us. Yeah. Dating 29-year-olds. <laughs> I know. We're like swingers. <laughs> yeah. Is that what swingers is about? <laughs> nope. <That's funny>. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see swingers? No, I guess not. Oh, I find that oh, hard I to believe. <laughs> Yeah. All right, I don't know if you're picking up on the microphone, so this is not working. Oh, I think it was fine. We watched Office Space for the first time. Oh, what? I'd never Did seen you Office love Space. It? Yeah, I loved it. It's a great movie. It was. And yeah. I wondered if maybe it's one of those things you have to see when you're 17 to appreciate it. No, not at I all. I think maybe working in an office enriches your experience. Yeah, definitely. I actually want to see it again because I saw it when I was... Actually, I probably saw it when I was 17. You know, it had been out for a while. but uh, But yeah, I'd like to... Check it out again. A lot of really tight actors in it. A lot of tight actors, but nobody who really became an A-lister other than Jennifer Aniston. That's right. Like, even Ron Livingston is just kind of floating around right. somewhere. I love Ron Livingston. Yeah, he's great. He's always in good stuff whenever he's in it. Uh, that's uh, that's a Mike Judge movie, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. That yeah. production. Yeah. We were talking a little bit yesterday about... Uh, I told you to listen to the Thomas Middleditch episode of You Made It Weird. You probably didn't because today is your first day of vacation. Yeah, I haven't re-listened to it, but I think I must have listened to it way back. Yeah, I I listened to it and like it going on while the whole like Thomas Middleditch is like just going through a breakup. He's like him and him and Pete Holmes have kind of like broken up. Like they used to be really tight, and yep. then they kind of had a feud um, because there was like some like assumed joke stealing going on while they were really both kind of. Like joking around with each other. I've definitely and, heard all of this. Yeah, hashtag. I I thought that was crazy. So it's kind of changed my, like I don't really know where I sit anymore on like the, if one person pushed another. Yeah. I assumed like oh man like Thomas Middleditch is the most like happy go lucky guy ever. I didn't Not get that impression. So. I didn't get that impression anyway. No? I think he's a little depressive. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm taking his side over T.J. Miller. I can't. Sure. I just it's just progressed very quickly. I just don't have any patience for T.J. Miller. Right. Yeah, I know. 
Also, wait, that wait emoji movie. Emoji movie, too. Oh, it just tanked. Yeah. And it didn't win the weekend. No, of course not. Oh, no, I, I expected it to. Really? I mean, uh, animated movies almost always do. Against what else? What else? Nothing new. No. Dunkirk. So Dunkirk took it again? Yeah. That's fair. Dun- Dunkirk's like an amazing movie. Incredible I th- movie. I think if we looked back and saw that Dunkirk was upended by the emoji movie, we'd all be pretty disappointed. It would have been very troubling, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's like, so true. what? It, like, week three, Dunkirk was done? But critically, it just it's one of the, the greatest failures I've ever seen, although I will repeat what I've said before about the emoji movie, which is that people were determined not to like it, critics included. Right. You can almost see the writing on the wall in these cases. Mm-hmm. I uh, I still need to see Baby Driver. I think I'm going to try to do that this weekend. You didn't see Baby to... Driver? No, not yet. And I'm uh, I would love it. I mm, know you I would. I you know would. I would. Are you an Edgar Wright fan? Oh yeah, yes. you love the Simon Pegg movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I I thought it was phenomenal. And, and I it's love too violent movies. for me, but it's it's so good. Really yeah. interesting. Okay. Yes. Um, man, I've been watching more Ozark. Oh yeah, that is a show. That's what people it, say. It's it's going so many different ways too. So yeah, it's kind of like Breaking Baddy, but it's also it's also very uh oh me is playing with my keys. It's also very like they throw you in a lot of different directions. How does Jason Bateman's uh, moral ambiguity develop? Does he get better or worse as a human? I'm four episodes in, and it seems like he's kind of hung on to his overall morals his goodness yeah yeah you know like i'm at a point in the show like will you watch it uh, i i don't i don't want to say for sure that i won't because i know becky really wants to i'll put it this way four episodes in he doesn't like kill anyone or anything okay like, you know he's very much just trying to keep the family together and try to trying to keep things moving and he's got that over walter planning White. stuff out yeah yeah totally yeah. interesting it is the big show right now it's the one yeah it's kind of a shame actually it missed the uh the emmy uh, cut off. I know. Doesn't that suck? When, yeah. And then it's going to be next year. And by the time it's getting all the Emmys, you're going to kind of say like, oh, what? That was so long ago. It's like Atlanta. Yes, but I think Emmys don't suffer uh, from the timing of their release quite as badly as Oscars do. Like uh, the prime example is the Lego movie not even being nominated in the category of best animated feature its year because right. it came out like the same week as the Oscars. So it was back of mind. Right. Now that's not a good excuse, but it's understood what is happening with my voice? <laughs> yeah, you oh kind of like turned to Kermit there. Yeah, I did. Second. It's understood. <laughs> it's understood that uh, that generally movies that are going to be nominated for Academy Awards are released in the fall, Christmas time, and then yes. even early January, with a handful of exceptions, right. usually in the action movie category. Mm-hmm. Like I think Dunkirk will definitely be nominated in yeah. like sound design yeah. and maybe costuming or whatever. I think it might go up for Best Picture. It could. Yeah, it could. I mean, definitely critically, it's up there. I don't know about any individual actor in it. No, no. I just think I think it could just go Best Picture because people love war movies. Yep, that's true. And Holocaust movies. That's true. Like you throw a Nazi in there, and people are freaking out about it. That is terribly the truth. Yeah. Hey, we have to acknowledge the most important thing about this episode, which is that it is the fiftieth episode of the show. Show. It's pretty amazing. It is amazing. Fifty episodes deep. I was driving over, and my friend said, "So like." Uh, you're doing the show tonight? And I was like, yeah, it's our 50th episode. And he was yeah. like, what? <laughs> he was like, so you have watched, you do two episodes a show? I was yeah. like, yeah. He's like, so you've watched a hundred shows for this? Thereabouts, yeah. And I, I was like, I think so. Yeah, we, like there might've been, did we just start out with one episode as Game of Thrones and then? Game of Thrones and then episode two was Freaks and Geeks. But then immediately after episode, okay. episode three, we switched it to two shows a show. 
two shows a show show and it was <laughs> Horace and Pete and everybody loves Raymond right. which is a hilarious right. comparison and um, and we've done a few episodes that were about many shows right. like like uh, late night talk shows and yeah. uh, Saturday Night Live had its own episode also True. I think so I'm, yeah. Yeah, roughly a hundred pilots yes. yes that's crazy I know there's a lot of TV that we watch it's too much television <laughs> but I'm I'm not against it at all like I'm I'm super happy that we've watched it all yeah I wanted I wanted to brainstorm if I had like a favorite moment in the first. 50 episodes of the show show and i know if i gave it some thought i could come up with some good ones because we've had some good laughs yeah we've had some poignant uh thoughts as well definitely um i think that i'm trying to think of like what do you think the the show that we've both both liked the most was was there one that we started watching without knowing well we did stranger things i think i think that we deserve a little credit for the success of stranger things i think so too just in that we were on that Faster than the world was. Yes. And then it became the biggest show of the year. You're right. It was biggest like called of the year easy. Released and we just watched it yeah. all. Yeah. In fact, that's what led us a little bit towards it wasn't the first time we decided to do podcasts about new television shows over right. classics. Um but that was early on in that decision making and I probably steered us towards doing that more often than classics. Yeah. Because and I've been thinking about this a little bit lately, it seems like when you start a podcast you can try all you want to create a format and mm-hmm. stick to that format. Uh, but chances are, at least in our case, you come up with something that's a little bit flawed. Right. But if you stick to it and you're willing to bend the rules a little bit, eventually your podcast will just unfold into something that's more conducive. You're going to find exactly what your sweet spot is. And now our show is is generally about new television shows. Yeah. Occasionally about older ones, like mm-hmm. in the case of today's. Yep. Um but that's a more useful podcast to listeners, I think. I think so too. And people are like, "Yeah, I know that Breaking Bad was a good show." <laughs> you know, like, right? They don't need us to tell them that, but, right? But it's kind of interesting to revisit, and it's a jump-off point for us just talking about random shit, anyway. Well, and we didn't we didn't start out with the thirty-second recap, but it's amazing that that didn't occur to us sooner right. to include a way to recap the goings-on of each episode and not just talk about it yes. randomly. And Without I bet applying any context. Maybe within the next year, we'll come up with something else. It's like, why, that makes so much sense to do that. Like you said, it's just an excuse to chat about stuff we talk about anyway. That's right. So I really enjoyed this with you, and I look forward to many more. Ah, here's to 50 more. Oh, my God. Episode 100. What are we going to do at 100? Well, hopefully there'll be some new show by then. We should play this clip at 100. <laughs> Future me, I hope you're doing okay. When I had a frog in my throat that night. <laughs> yeah. What a... Maroon. I know. <laughs> Man, I hope everything's okay in 50 episodes. I know. Anything, I was kind of thinking that. A lot can change in 50 episodes of the show show. I hope my house doesn't burn down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine if your house burned down can and you we, ma- have, we have it on record? I left my shed open last night. Maybe 50 episodes from now I'll do this again and have worse consequences. But yeah. my my shed blew open i thought okay. like i'm so meticulous about locking my shed because i've yeah. got like a bunch of tools in there and right. golf clubs and stuff and it just blew open i thought i heard a noise last night but i'm always very paranoid yeah you don't have like a padlock on your shed yeah we do we have like a uh, we have like a key lock okay yeah, so i just forgot to lock that oh i see and i guess it just blew open okay and so i heard like a loud noise but i'm like you know what 
I'm going to leave it because I hear stuff all the time and I always try to investigate it and it's never anything. And then yeah. this morning, Jen woke up and said the shed was wide open. Ah. She was like, I checked and there nothing seemed to be gone. Because, you know, that's check. where Will Byers gets taken in the pilot episode of Stranger Things. He's in a shed. In a shed. Oh, yeah. So. I'm not going to think about my shed the same way. Yeah, be careful in sheds, man. Demogorgon in there. Exactly. Good pull. Good pull for sure. Always. Brought it back to Stranger Things. <sighs> hey, we got some things to talk about All right. uh, in terms of entertainment news going forward. Uh, speaking of fabulous television shows, Kevin Can Wait, starring Kevin James, uh, has decided to kill off the wife character, played by Aaron Hayes. Whoa, what? Uh, yeah, because it's like a, your typical Kevin James husband and wife bumbling oaf married to somebody way too hot for him kind of sitcom. Right. Uh, Aaron Hayes, lovely humorous actress has played the wife for the first two seasons i guess yeah they she's been fired because they had an opportunity to hire leah remini oh so they just wanted to get them back together so they just again? wanted to get them back together again and that would be fine but they're gonna kill her off <laughs> wow which is brutal yeah like it works a little bit on two and a half men to kill off charlie sheen because there was a very public feud between right. charlie sheen and the show creator uh, plus, that show was already pretty lowbrow. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you could kind of have fun with a hokey death in that case. But this Aaron Hayes lady didn't do anything wrong. And, like, her character, I mean, maybe they'll probably treat it with some sensitivity, but it still seems pretty harsh for a multi camera sitcom starring Kevin James. I agree. Good Lord. <laughs> like, I, I want to make a Heaven Can Wait joke, but, <laughs> but it just. That's that's insane. Has she spoken out about it at all, or does she just have a she? Like, she spoke out about it a while back when it was announced she would be um, excommunicated from the show. Right. It wasn't. It wasn't released until today, I believe, that the character would be killed off. What did she say? She said a while back, you know, like, oh, I've enjoyed working with these people, and I'm disappointed I'm not returning. But thanks for the opportunity. Like she was oh, very, good. she was very diplomatic. Sure. Um, and I get that there are like a lot of fans who probably want to see Kevin and Leah back together, but it's just not the right way to do it. Cancel the show and start from yeah, start. or just bring back you know the King show that they were both on exactly. And Jerry Stiller. I saw somebody mention on Reddit the other day, and I can't pay appropriate tribute, but I kind of feel like it's one of those things people say uh, in reference to Adam Sandler and his band of Merry Misfits. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not for Chris Farley dying, would Kevin James even have a career at all? And I thought that was pretty astute. Hmm. I don't know. What would Chris Farley's uh, role in that group be? Or would he be in that group? Uh, he, I mean, he was best friends with Spade and Sandler on SNL. Yeah, and I guess were, Chris Rock, they all kind of rolled together. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird to say. But I mean, Chris Rock isn't that. He's in Grown Ups. He's a, yeah, I know, but he's in Grown Ups, but he's the one who, for some reason, has kind of maintained his integrity. Maybe True. because he still does some like kind of artistic things. So it really, I think there's people like maybe David Spade is a little more comfortable just kind of laying back and being in Sandler movies. And I think that's true, except I think David Spade deserves a little more credit. I actually think that guy is still super funny. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think he's good, but he's not like, you know, Chris Rock is creating things. He's not a game changer like Chris yeah. Rock. Right, because yes. Chris Rock puts his entire life into, you know, creating comedy. And when was the last time Chris Rock had a stand-up special? He's due. I think he's got one coming out. He also, like, he wrote a movie a couple years ago, and he, like, directs stuff yeah. now, and he's been in Broadway plays. And, and Top 5 was a great movie. Oh, was it really? 
Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I loved it. Okay. Yep. I didn't know that. But I like Spade. I think that he doesn't get enough credit. He's probably just considered like B-rate and a little washed up. Yeah. And I think he's still, he does great talk show appearances. Yeah, He's I bet. always funny. I bet. He's kind of like Norm MacDonald. I find Norm MacDonald really funny anytime I see him. Do you ever watch Norm MacDonald's video podcast on YouTube? No, I've, I, my friend is a big fan of it. It's interesting. Letterman was on his season premiere. Last okay. Week. He talked to Letterman for 59 minutes. It was That's wild. Great. I mean, you, you don't really, they don't but really But Letterman reveal. must love him. Like, he does. Yeah. And it's known that he loves him. Right. Um, because he doesn't make a lot of appearances anymore. Right. And they talked shop, I guess, a little bit. They talked about the history of Letterman's career, his relationship with Paul, his relationship with Johnny. Sure. Um, they did not cover any new ground. No. Uh, you watched but, it, though? Yeah, I watched it. Nice. But Dave seems good. Nice. Yeah. I remember watching his, I think it was a, a YouTube video a couple years ago. Um, it was when I was in Kentville, actually. So it was uh, Norm MacDonald, and he was on with uh, Dave Einstein. Or okay. Bob Einstein. Yeah, Bob Einstein, yeah. And uh, they were talking about... It was funny because it was kind of astute. They were kind of shitting on Jimmy Fallon when it was uncool to shit on Jimmy Fallon. Like, okay. Like, everyone was on the Jimmy Fallon train. Yeah. And they were like, best band in late night. Like, why does that matter? <laughs> like, how is that How is that a popular thing? That's like, fair. Who's tuning in for the band? <laughs> you hear them at the end of commercial breaks. Is that, yeah. and, and obviously, you know, the Roots have like... A bunch of roles in the show, so it's a little bit more important. Than it's that. true, but, though. But yeah, is yeah. that a funny? Well, and I like that the Roots have a good sense of humor about it all. Yeah. Like they're like a legitimately cool band. Like they have so much street cred, and they're doing the soccer mom of late night shows, one hundred percent. And they continue to release stuff. Yeah, like yeah, Quest loves a madman. He's a genius. And he's a good businessman too. Yeah. And he wrote like he wrote a book, and he was producing Hamilton. <laughs> like I know, yeah, he's the busiest guy in the world. He's doing something else that's new right now. Oh, this is going to be unfortunate. I hate when I mention something I can't remember what it is. <laughs> but he's doing something else. He's doing something cool. So everyone, take a Google break. Go to your computers, your laptops, or your tablets. Look up uh, Questlove in Google News. <laughs> yeah, and you'll see you'll it. Find make sure out what you use a doing. question mark instead of a Q. Mm. Or yeah. And uh, make sure you use quotations around it. Right. That helps. Yeah. I guess. (laughs) They ran a study and they were able to confirm, though I don't have any anecdotal evidence, but they were able to confirm that, yes, indeed, the TV show 13 Reasons Why is scientifically proven to promote suicide among young people. I saw that today. The the question, how do I kill myself, was 26% more likely this year. And people are placing that on 13 Reasons Why. Well, I get it. I mean, yeah. it's. I only watched the pilot episode, but it, it made we, me. No, I watched the first two. It made me sick, man. We had these feelings while we were watching it. We yeah. said, "This is kind of weird. Feels weird watching a show about someone who kills themselves." Everybody will like celebrate something. you once you do this. Yeah, it doesn't finally... seem like something good to put out. I know, I know. And I guess the book was controversial initially, and the right. very making of the show was controversial, and sure. it turned out to be that also. But it was also very addictive, right, for people. And I just found the the premise was. Well, while it was trying to be urgent mm-hmm. and relevant, I think it was doing quite the opposite. I think it was like more harmful than than helpful. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would attribute more suicides to like girl boss. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> that I did finish, and I How did don't. You finish that? I don't know why. <laughs> I just it was like I had a second, and I was like, I'll watch a girl boss. <laughs> Throw on a girl box. I got dinner ready. She was loathsome. I know. She was such a mean person. (laughs) And apparently that's representative of the real lady. I know. 
We've brought this up multiple times. Who would have thought that Girl Boss would have such legs on this show? But that's a good example of a show that we thought maybe for some reason could be a zeitgeisty thing. Yeah. It didn't turn out to be. No. But it could have been, and so we got on it when it came out. Yes. Yep, definitely. Norm MacDonald was in that show, too. Oh, really? Hey, speaking of shows that are proven to be a little bit controversial, in fact, a little bit even before they exist, have you heard about a new HBO show that's in development called Confederate? Yes. Yeah, that's mm. causing a, a big stir. A bit of a stir, and I don't know... I mean, I want to reserve judgment. It seems like there's a lot of people who are not interested in reserving judgment. Well, here's the thing. I, I don't know the point of view, the POV that they're using on it, but I, I do. know that... Oh, you do? Yeah. And it's from like the, the okay. standpoint Con of a Confederate soldier? Is that Confederate is... I don't know about that. I know it's about like slavery. Confederate is based on a novel. The TV show that's being developed at HBO is based on a novel, and it's a, a sci-fi dystopic thriller oh. about what the world would be like had the result of the Civil War gone the other way oh. and slavery was not abolished. Oh. And so a lot of people are looking at it through the lens of, it sounds to me like this show celebrates slavery. Right. When I don't imagine HBO would greenlight something that celebrates slavery. <laughs> yeah. The same way Martin Scorsese wouldn't make a movie that celebrates uh, bank fraud and cocaine use. Right. It's just a theme. Right. And in fact, quite a cautionary theme. Sure. And, and, well, that's true. I mean, look at Handmaid's Tale. I'm, it's, yes. you know, anything dystopic is often, you know, you don't want to live in that society. No. There's, what was that show, uh, Man in the High Castle? That's that's a similar premise. That's so are what, people are people what, citing that in the argument at all? I think probably, but what's it's very similar in that it's what the world would be like if the war went the other way. But what that's war right. is it? World War Two. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So so like Japan basically takes over the western half of the United States. Yes. And on the like the Nazis kind of take over the the east side of the United States, and like you know you need to show your papers and. Right. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I only watched the first episode, and it seemed cool. Yeah. Um, but I just had a lot on my list. Well, it seems to, to me like Man in the High Castle is the natural show to watch when Confederate comes out, and we'll compare the two pilots. Sure. Oh yeah. Uh, cool. Whenever that happens, although it probably won't be for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, Becky and I have been watching Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, which is James Franco's adaptation of the Stephen King book that I read. Oh, right, about, right, right. It's, yeah. it's a very interesting book. It's the longest book I've ever read. Yeah. Um, but it was really fun to read. It's very, like, it's very exciting. It's the first Stephen King I've ever read because I'm not really a scary stuff kind of person. Mm -hmm. um, but the premise is a uh, high school teacher of our time discovers a time portal in the pantry of an old 50s diner he frequents. Naturally. Uh, naturally. Goes back to the year 1960 and tries to prevent the Kennedy assassination. Right. Because uh, in his eyes, and the eyes of his Time Lord buddy, Al Templeton, uh, if they can stop the Kennedy assassination, they can prevent uh, Bobby Kennedy from being involved in future politics, and they can ultimately prevent the Vietnam War right. uh, and then save thousands of lives. Right, um, interesting. And the show, we've watched four episodes of eight episodes. The show is very different from the book. Right. But it's charming. Yeah? It's really, it's very exciting and so it's, it's good. So I'm sure it addresses the whole conversation about like, well, what will change if we, you know, maybe there would be good things that would have happened. Well, if, you know. yes. And in fact, uh, he goes back to 1960 mm -hmm. when the Kennedy assassination is not until 1963. So the idea is he has three years 
to spy on Lee Oswald and figure out what conspiracies from hindsight are maybe true and is assassinating Lee Harvey Oswald before 11-22-63 even going to solve the problem. Right. And so he's like, it's kind of all of this planning, Mm -hmm. but in the meantime, he can kind of tweak other things that he thinks could be improved. Like he has this student from his GED class, uh, this older guy named Harry, who wrote this really haunting story about the time in 1961 when his father came home drunk and murdered his whole family with a hammer. And so Franco, uh, the character's name is Jake, uh, Jake murders the father before he has the chance. And so he hasn't gone back to the future yet and figured out whether or not Harry's life has turned out better. Yeah. But maybe the butterfly effect kicks in and he totally screws everything up. So does he just stay there? He doesn't travel back and forth at all? You can't travel back and forth in this uh, in this depiction of time travel because okay. every time you go back to the future, yeah. only two minutes have passed every time. No matter how long you're gone, okay. two minutes have passed when you return. Right. And when you go back, you go back to 1960. You go back to the same minute every time. Oh, and so if you come back, you got to start over. So how do you decide where to, like, how do they set the portal? It's just a, it's just a dark room. You just walk in and then suddenly you're... And, and you just go back to 1960. Yeah. So that's like, they realize that they've got this portal to 1960. They don't waste a lot of time on like the mechanics of time travel. <laughs> that's all I want to know. Which I, I kind of respect it. Sure. Like, I know. The, it's like, why would you get yourself into that hole? Back to the Future in like a comical way creates all of this language like gigawatts and they, they create this machine, yeah. the flux capacitor. And it's none of it, none of those words mean anything. I think, I think... Like if gigawatt is spelled with a G, like gigawatt? No, it's spelled like with a J. Oh, yeah. okay, gotcha. Yeah, which okay. is just a funny word. Right. Um, but what they do in Back to the Future is they create the illusion that at least somebody knows how this works. Mm-hmm. And so you just kind of buy what Doc Brown says. In the case of eleven twenty two sixty three, nobody fucking understands. And I let's mean, just enjoy just, the ride. Right, sure. Okay, so, I like that. Yeah, so I, I would recommend it. I think it's cool. On the topic of... Uh, Stephen King stuff. Dark Tower comes out on Friday. Oh yeah! What is that? A movie or a show? It's a movie. It's been a show in developmental hell a number of times. Right. It's kind of thought to be a bit of a uh, a, a, a whale, a yeah. white whale um, for fans of Stephen King and the multiverse of Stephen King. And who's in it? Like Idris Elba. Idris Elba is like the hero. Okay. And Matthew McConaughey plays the man in black. It's a it's a western. Okay. But it's your classic, like, good versus evil story. Um, it kind of reminds me of, like, later seasons of Lost a little bit. And, like, this is, like, the, the ultimate white knight, and this is the ultimate bad guy, and they're basically fighting for which is going to dominate civilization. And this is a movie. It's a movie that's being released on Friday, and we're recording on Tuesday night. This episode okay. will come out on Wednesday night. And by then, probably some initial reviews will be in. Okay. I'm suspecting the reviews aren't going to be great. No, I haven't uh, heard like anything. About I think this that's movie. why. Right. I think because you know how we've talked about before how studios generally can predict how things are going to go. Yeah, if it's going to be great, they'll do like a really early release. And... Well, they'll they'll also double down on promotion. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's proving not to be the case with yeah. Dark Tower. But I want to go, and I kind of want to read it because I've now discovered that I really like Stephen King as a writer. Oh, excellent! And it's not a horror. It's right. just like an exciting action. 
and, um, character arc. And he wrote that in like 2005 or something. Didn't well, he? it's an ongoing series. It's, oh, no it's what he considers his magnum opus. It's like his, his longest running work ever. Really? Um, each individual book's only two or 300 pages, which is very short for Stephen King. Right. Um, but there's a number of them. So you finished all of them? No, I've never read any of them. The 11... Oh, The Dark Tower. Dark Tower. Right. Um, sorry. Dark, and so I, I think I would like to, to try that out just because people are a big fan and mm-hmm. people are really pulling for it. Yeah. I'm going to try and read before I see the movie. I'm going to try and reserve judgment even if the reviews aren't very good. Stephen King has this interesting... Um, this interesting overarching theme in his stories, which is the Stephen King multiverse. Are you familiar with that? No. It doesn't apply to all of his work, although a, a, a lot of it um, yeah. all exists within the same world, okay. including the Dark Tower. Right. Um, so, for example, in 112263, there is mention about how this guy who killed his whole family went to Shawshank Prison. Oh, interesting. Okay. There's gotcha. also mention about how in a nearby town called Derry, Maine, there's this weird clown that shows up every no. 27 years. Oh, God. And it's just kind of like fleetingly mentioned about the creepy things that happen sure. in Stephen King's world. Yeah. And Kurt Vonnegut does that a lot, too. Does he? Yeah. Yeah. He'll constantly mention uh, uh, Kilgore Trout. Okay. Like, Kilgore Trout, I think, ends up in, like, all of his books. But just as, like, uh, this novelist, Kilgore Trout. Yeah. Uh, J.D. Salinger is similar in that the Glass family appears in a lot of his notable work. Not that there's a lot of notable Salinger right. work, but like in his short stories, a oh, lot okay. of them, yeah, focus on the Glass family. Very cool. Yeah, I, I I don't think I've ever read, actually, how Jurassic Park was Michael Creighton. It was not J.D. Salinger, no. No, I mean <laughs> Stephen King. Yes, it was Michael Crichton, yeah. It was Michael Crichton. Yeah. Well, you can borrow the book if you want, but it's like 1,100 pages. Yeah, I'm okay. I already did just this year. Uh, yes, you did. On the topic of... Uh, I wanted to share something with you, and mm-hmm. I might regret this, but uh, on I the topic of it, it okay. which is a Stephen King book that's been made into a movie. Yes. Uh, and the trailer came out last week, and there's like a big uh, Reddit culture around it. People very excited. Yeah, I've noticed it on Reddit a bunch. And I'm never going to see this movie because no? I just can't handle it's scary. The trailer was terrifying to me. I think if you watch the original movie, it would soften you up to the point where you'd be able to watch this movie. Maybe. Because the original movie was just, it was like just kind of strange, not scary. Well, what I did when the trailer was released last week was mm-hmm. I wanted to do a radio break about it. This was Friday. I was going to save it for my last break of the night. And every now and then, this only really happened twice, I decide my last break of the week like bef- like at when it's dark out it's like nine o'clock on friday yeah. night will be a poem instead of just regular storytelling sure and so that's what i did in my break on the radio show about the release of the trailer for the new it movie and so i did it and i'm guess i i'm happy with how it turned out sure uh but i didn't get any response i was kind of disappointed like i thought i'd get like a tweet or something from sure. somebody that says like oh that was really cool yeah. and so i thought i would share it with you now okay just so i can use it to its fullest potential because it's been like i spent like 30 minutes working great okay so this is this is uh the poem i wrote about the release of the trailer for the new it movie okay and have you watched the trailer of course it was terrifying okay right right In 86, the King of Fear sets out to change our view on clowns, and he depicts a yesteryear most strange and screwed-up town where a monster haunts the gutter armed with evil to commit. Of glowing eyes is Pennywise, though those he sees all call him It. 
And the book's a big success, because King can always manage spooky. And as you might have guessed, the thing becomes a TV movie. And sure, the flick was wicked, fans said Tim curried their favor. But the studios insisted they remake it these years later. So yesterday the trailer dropped, the It anticipation, sparked and lit a flame the little bit and It flirtation. And come September, all will shriek for Derry's clown attacker. That is, if this It is fit to sneak in just enough It factor. Oh, that's really good. I know. I'm pleased with it. I don't think you wasted anything on that. I didn't waste anything. <laughs> um, I'm like I'm like Slim Shady. Yeah, <laughs> you're way. Bunny Rabbit. I'm very efficient. Yeah, fuck it, be you'll go acapella. Yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> so, okay, a couple questions. It was a TV movie. Yeah, it was a two part TV movie. Oh, yeah. that explains because I we rented the movie. And it seemed like a TV movie. It seemed low budge. Like it yeah. was, yeah, low budge. Yeah, kind of weird. It seemed like things in the book um, were not portrayed right in the movie at all. So I'm surprised even the TV movie was well liked. I think, I think maybe it was. I don't know that for sure. Tim, Tim Curry was super creepy. That's what I gather is right. that people are satisfied with Tim Curry's portrayal. Yes, but I think the reason fans are cool with it being remade when generally remakes are kind of maligned, yeah. and understandably so, is because maybe the book wasn't given totally cinematically what it deserved. Right. And can do we know if it's going to be rated R? Oh, yeah, I think so. Oh, nice. And and is Stephen King, has he like signed off on it and been like, this is totally cool? And also, who's so. is Tim Curry playing? No, no. It again? Okay. No, it's like it's, a Skarsgård guy. Oh, Peter Skarsgård? Uh, like the scar the the guy who was in like Spider Man two would played uh, I don't know, huh? I don't know. In fact, I did hear that Stephen King had seen the movie and he was he found it very spooky. And that's oh, a good, really? That's a good sign. Awesome. Yeah, the clown is scary, man. It's yeah. not for me. It's not for me. No, nope. no I, thanks. I think it'll bring in a new. People are scared of clowns anyway. I think because of like the hangover from it. Yeah, I, I think so. there was like a movement last year. From the clown community. Yeah, being like... Blaming Stephen King for the bad taste in everybody's mouth. Right. Well, I mean, put some blame on John Wayne Gacy, too. Come on. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. He really earned it. Yeah. He really worked for it. I feel like, if anything, that might have been uh, the jump-off point (laughs) for Stephen King. It was like, okay, this clown was a monster. It has to be. Yeah. How do you feel about IMAX and 3D? Uh, IMAX 3D? I... I like IMAX a lot. Uh, 3D, I'm okay with. I, oh, yeah. I I don't have any dog. I, I don't really have a dog in the fight. I, sure. I enjoy it every time I watch it. Okay. Someone told me tomorrow they're getting rid of all 3D. I wouldn't lose my mind about it. Yeah, okay. Well, they're, they're not getting rid of all 3D, but IMAX, the company, has announced they're going to dial way back on 3D. Interesting. So basically, they ran a bunch of uh, focus groups. I don't know why it took them like 10 years, because they've been putting out <laughs> too many 3D movies for at least right. that long. Uh, but... Basically, the survey turned out people are not as into 3D as they thought. Right. And great. You know, I haven't seen a 3D movie in a long time. I avoid them if I can. Yeah. I find them a little headachey. I sometimes wear regular glasses, so to wear both is quite a pain. Sure. Um, And they're more expensive. And I can understand if you're going to see like a really big cinematic like visual experience why 3D might enhance it or a really cool animated movie mm-hmm. um, but i don't need to see silver linings playbook in 3D <laughs> you know it's just <laughs> right. not the most not, popular 3D movie it's not going to help the film sure at all uh, and they also cited dunkirk uh, and they said that was filmed 100% on 2D cameras yep and 
obviously people are still celebrating it, it for its visual fine. experience. It would be very cheesy if for some reason Dunkirk was in 3D. It would you would, it would give me a preconceived notion about what that movie was going to but be. But that was what 3D had become. It wasn't yeah. even about the gimmick anymore. It was about, no, you want it this way. Right. Remember when 3D televisions in your home was supposed to be a big deal? Yeah. Yeah, and, and honestly, like I think once they figure it out, because I think they have it on phones where 3D is like yeah. usable. And the, one of the handheld Nintendo systems is 3D. Right. I don't know. I, I think it the way that I see it is it gives a little bit more depth that is what the third dimension is. <laughs> but I mean, like, dimension. nothing's popping out at you. Yeah, no. You know, it's it's not like you go to something, like in Disney World. You've been to the Muppet Show in Disney World. That's and like kind of pop out at you, though. It pops out at you. Yeah. And, and that is what I think is very cool. Yeah. When you're kind of like, whoa, I need to dodge this. That's right in front of my face. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think any of the movies have successfully done that at all. Maybe Spy Kids 3D. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a popular one? Well, I, I remember know. Beowulf being crazy. Let's not fail to acknowledge the distinction between 3D and real D. And I don't know visually how they're different. Right. But like, you know how like older 3D movies, you'd have to wear glasses that are like blue lens, red lens? Yeah. We don't have that anymore. And I don't know if it looks different as a result. I'm not sure. You know, I think like, I don't know if you, I'm not sure what's going to happen with 3D, but I think VR is going to be absolutely insane absolutely insane i would watch an entire movie with one of those samsung things on my face yeah because that is incredible just wait for it It doesn't even need to be it doesn't even need to be um like shot in 360 degree film which would be insane like if you could look around in a movie come on but even having it right in front of you like there's no distraction at all yeah um i think that is going to be the, the next big wave of thing and i'm calling this from half court right now, there's going to be a viral sensation of people watching movies or doing VR things and getting hit in the undercarriage slash <laughs> the other day I, I threw a purple nurple on a coworker who was watching something right with because you're t- you're completely helpless. yep you yeah, have no true. defenses there, there's gonna be a movement to like lock yourself in a room to watch a 3d movie or oh, to watch no. a VR movie because otherwise you're just never gonna know who's walking in yeah it'd be amazing if they could figure out a way to immerse you in the universe of the film yep. along with the people you're also watching it with yeah I don't know how that could be done but that would right. be incredible yeah mm. man that would be crazy so you could like maybe text the person next to you you could do that or I could just like you and I go to see um the Usual Suspects 2 in, <laughs> in AI. Yeah, I and, forgot that sequel's coming out. Yeah, it's going to be really great. Yeah, uh, I can just like look over. You're watching it, and mm-hmm. we're watching uh, Kaiser Soze and whoever else have a conversation. I can look over next to you, and I can whisper something to you. Right. And they wouldn't hear us. But, oh, but like we're in the room. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't yeah. that be something? Yeah. Well, it was so weird when I was watching this this VR music video. It was a Headley music video. What? And it was shot in VR. At VR and Kirk from sure. Universal was showing us all. Okay. And you could look 360 degrees at Jacob Hogard was just sitting on this bench in front of you, wow. like singing in a barber shop. And you turn around, there's just this little like robot guy. <laughs> and there's like these lasers happening on the 
on the mirror and you're kind of like, all right, well, that's what's... kind of fun. I'd like to try it. It was I've still so never, cool, man. I've never worn one of those masks. You were doing a show at the time. I, I think yeah. you would have really been wowed because we were all like, whoa, yeah. that was really cool. Yeah. Like very, very cool. It's too bad it was with a Headley video. <laughs> I thought it was a weird opportunity to <laughs> yeah. take. No, I'm like, I don't hate Headley. But no. Like, that's kind of a missed opportunity and, for it to be something way cool. And we were asking, like, hey, is, is anyone else doing this? And he's like, I think Childish Gambino has one. And I was like, that, oh, man. Like, that I'm interested in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would love to see the Childish Gambino one. You know, Redbone is uh, charting right now. Why did that take like six months for like yeah you hear it on on top forty radio here now yeah these are these are and I I questioned it I heard it on top forty radio here and I was like that must be charting but yeah. it came out it is six months ago yeah but that's not uncommon that happens all the time yeah yeah it's such a like kind of indie rap not even rap like an indie yeah but it took album. White Boys like me a long time to really realize how cool that song is really yeah yeah it took Get Out for you. That kind of brought it back into my consciousness. I was aware of it. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. I wonder if that going to video had anything to do with it too. Like Maybe. has the get out, is it like Bohemian Rhapsody with Wayne's World? Wayne's World? <laughs> Maybe it is. Wayne's World helped Bohemian Rhapsody to chart way higher than it ever had yeah, originally. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It increased the popularity of the song. Keenan Thompson is working on a new sketch show. He's producing it. He's not necessarily leaving SNL okay. uh, because it's a kids sketch show, which he's producing with the people who created all that. Cool. It's called Scoogle. Scoogle. Yeah. It's going to be at, like a, a Google elementary school or something. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. That's my take. You're probably right. From the title. You're probably right. That's probably what it is. Stephen Colbert is uh, executive producing a new cartoon show that's Trump themed. Okay. Uh, and that's been an, a reoccurring theme in his monologues as he has an animated Donald Trump that does little sketches. So I assume it's going to be that. Sure. Um, Whatever happened to like Saturday's TV Funhouse? What was that? With Robert Smigel. Oh, geez. I don't think that's been on for years. No, it hasn't been. I, I don't think it's been on since the digital short. But mm. like I think the year before it was a thing. Well, and... I, and I thought throughout like the 90s, like that was on for like 20 years. Does the ambiguously gay duo fall under that umbrella? Yes, that's exactly That was right. Stephen Colbert. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. I don't think the animator... The animator's the same, but... No. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. And that like... The theme song was Saturday's TV Funhouse, TV Funhouse. And then it was Lauren Michaels kind of chasing the yep. creator, being like, give me back my show. I want my show. <laughs> he, um, Robert Smigel is considered like one of the great comedy geniuses that like layman's don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard him talk or anything, but I'd love to watch a He had a role in This Is 40. He was like a little bit in This Is 40. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Still haven't seen that. Yeah, don't bother. Yeah. Okay. Unless you really love Robert Michael, We'll let him produce. I still need to see The Big Sick. God, I'm so far Oh, that's good. Yeah. See that before it goes. Yeah, I know. Oh, is it still at the Oxford Theater? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Although I also suggest you see uh, uh, Baby, Driver Baby Driver in theaters because it's, it's going to add to the experience. Yeah. Uh, we got to talk about the True Detective news. Oh, I haven't heard about this. We talked about this on a, a couple of podcasts ago, the, the idea that uh, season three was probably in the offing. Yep. It is indeed. Perhaps uh, in a position to come back uh, strong okay. with Mahershala Ali as its lead. Whoa. That was confirmed the day after we released last week. Yep. I trust uh, anything that guy does. I mean, he won the Oscar this year. Yeah. I mean, you compare that to Colin Farrell, Vince Vaughn, and Rachel um, McAdams. Rachel McAdams. Yeah. 
And no one in that lineup really makes you think, oh, this is going to be amazing. You just kind of hoped it was. You hoped well, that this was going to be like a comeback thing for Okay, but before we knew what True Detective was, before the McConaissance, you wouldn't have necessarily thought that show was going to be anything to, to catch either. No, I guess not. I mean, Woody Harrelson's good. Nobody says otherwise, but you wouldn't have expected it to be the, like so dark and, right. and exciting. And I think when they announced the cast for season two, people were kind of psyched about it. Yeah, like I was for sure. Yeah. Like, wow, this could be really cool. So Mahershala Ali, anyone else? That's all we know so far. Uh, okay. Uh, but he's he's definitely good at like the serious um, dark stuff. Oh, yeah. So I think it's probably a good a good call. I mean, if anything, that's all he's done. That's true. Serious dark stuff. He was in Hidden Figures. Oh, right. Which is like a little bit of a lighter. Yeah, you're right. A lighter thing. Yep. Uh, Oh, this is kind of fun. There's a podcast called West Wing Weekly. Okay. Which fans like me would know a little bit. I don't listen to it very often. But uh, Josh Molina, who plays uh, Will on the West Wing, he plays like, he's in season three and four, I think. But he kind of steps into the lead role after Rob Lowe leaves. Okay. Um, and he's friends with Aaron Sorkin. He was on Sports Night also. Good actor. Mm-hmm. Hasn't done a whole lot of stuff. Um, he hosts, or more accurately, he co-hosts a podcast called West Wing Weekly, which each week covers a new episode of the West Wing in consecutive order. So the first episode, they cover the pilot. Kind of like our show, but they just talk about West Wing. Right. And they dissect each episode, and sure. they talk about the themes. and. Um, this week, they covered an episode from season three in which Donna finds out she's Canadian. Okay. And they had Prime Minister Justin Trudeau as their guest. Wow. On Skype, live from Halifax, pre the Pride Parade. Really? Yeah. Wow. How cool. long was he on for? Did you listen to the whole thing? Yeah, he was on for like 25 minutes. Crazy. He was such a great talker. Yeah. You know? Was he like hitting all of his keynotes or was he just like... He was, was he able to go off script a bit? And they asked him like pretty rudimentary policy stuff as Americans. Okay. Um, but as fans of the West Wing or as those involved in the West Wing, they obviously celebrate the ideological depiction of uh, peaceful politics. Right. Which is what the West Wing was. Sure. And also is kind of what Justin Trudeau represents. Right. Like, oh, everything's peachy. Right. Um, so they were able to celebrate him. Uh, in a respectful way, and they asked some good, good questions, but they also just talked about the West Wing. Sure, and like was they, was he in on that? Was did he watch the West Wing? He watched it when it was on. He loved it. Nice. He watched some episodes, I guess, to bone up for his own debates because there okay. are some episodes where Bartlett is debating. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah, so I guess he wanted to like channel Bartlett, right? Uh, and then he watched this episode, I guess, the one about Donna learning she's Canadian, and he knew the show. Like nice. he he made some references to stuff. That you wouldn't know if you didn't know the show. That's cool. So he proved it. I like that. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was a cool moment. Although, like, there's been so many, so much criticism about him, I think, on the Canadian side of, like, okay, you're doing all these, you're on the cover of Rolling Stone, you're doing all these articles, like... You know what? I think maybe, you, you see that as the main administrator of the Q104 Facebook page. No, no. No, no. I, not at all. Like, just looking at, at, the, at the news... People yeah. are like, maybe, maybe follow up on uh, first past the, the poll, you know, some of right. the promises that you made. Electoral reform. Doing. Yeah. I know. It hasn't been that long. I know. I know. And, a- and, and hey, I'm, 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 I have no qualms. I have no qualms. I'm not, I'm not saying that right. this is bad or anything. I'm just like kind of being devil's advocate on it. And it's like we've said many times about partisanship. Mm-hmm. You are determined whether or not to like somebody. Right. You'll let everything slide. Mm-hmm. As we've seen 
elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> or you'll, uh, or you'll uh, grill on every little thing. Yeah. Which we've also seen elsewhere. Yeah, you're right. And here. A lot of people say uh, 20% of people love it, 20% of people hate it, and 80% in the middle just are completely indifferent. Completely indifferent. Or... Or think they care a little bit, but yeah. really don't know anything. Right. Yeah. Don't care enough to show up and vote. That is at least 80%. Yeah. Well, I mean, more than 80%. Um, we had a better voter turnout than that. Right. But, yeah, there's a lot of indifference for sure. I think that is all the news I have. Yeah. Oh, I did see celebrities today. That was kind of fun. Yeah. You saw, well, tell everyone your news. It's not news. I was. <laughs> it's news to me. It's happened to me before. Um, I was walking on Spring Garden Road, and I was pretty sure I saw Sidney Crosby out of the corner of my eye. That's right. T- turned away. Realized that if I had, in fact, seen Sidney Crosby out of the corner of my eye, it was from about 12 inches away. <laughs> it yeah. was, like, very close. Right. Turned back. Sure enough, it was him and Nathan McKinnon. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of ducked into the lobby of a... Or, like, underneath the awning of the Wax on Wax Bar. Uh just so I could get behind them. What is the wax on wax bar? It's just a wax bar on Spring Garden Road. A wax bar? Yeah, like, you know, people like get wax stuff waxed. Their... Yeah. Oh, okay, sure. Okay. Took a creepy picture to send to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, 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 it was kind of interesting um, to stand behind them and look through them and watch people coming people's towards reactions. us, watch their faces realize who they were walking towards. Yep. And invariably, I would make. Uh, eyes with those people after they'd passed Sid and Nate, just as if to say silently, kind of cool, hey? Right. But nobody said hello. Oh, that's cool. Nobody said, hey, what's like up? That. Nobody. And we've talked about that before, about how if it were Ben Affleck, you'd have to say hello. I said, you have to say hello. You said no. Right. Evidently, I did not say hello. I said, come up with a different plan, which I did for you today, too, which was just ask them innocently for directions, like pretending that you don't, like you're from away and you have no idea who they are. That's lame. I just thought it would be kind of funny to for them to be like, oh, well, uh, you know, Agricola Street's just over there. Yeah, or they wouldn't have any idea where Agricola Street is. Well, that's true, too. That's yeah, maybe they'd say, I'm from away. I, it'd be interesting for that, too, wouldn't it? It would be fucking cold to hear Sidney Crosby say, I'm from away. Yeah. That would not go Could over well. I would have to tell everybody that. Yeah, you'd have to do a break. Yeah. Sidney Crosby himself looked me the, looked me in the eye in Halifax, the and Pittsburgh said, Penguins guy. I'm from away. <laughs> yeah, and so I went to Cole Harbor and I took the home of Sidney Crosby you sign saw down, both signs down because it <laughs> comes in from two directions. Yeah, Sidney Crosby's Cole Harbor, yep. home of Sidney Crosby. Yep, where Sidney Crosby was born. Exactly, and learned hockey. Yep. On my street. Brought to you by Sidney Crosby. Yes. That's right. You were street buddies, mm-hmm. but not actually close. No. Right. But no, just because he was always away for hockey. He was pretty good at hockey. Yeah. I understand. He was. That's my understanding. At one point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? He's not good anymore? Oh, no. He's amazing. He's like one of the, he's the best player probably in the NHL. He did hit his head this year, though. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I hope he doesn't do that again. But He's shorter than I expected, so I'm not as impressed Yeah, well, that's kind of, I think, why he gets hit a lot. Maybe. But he's strong, man. Like... Like his legs and stuff, I think. Yeah. Like I think you can probably squat like. Four you know what else annoyed me, and this is I have no business to be annoyed about this, <laughs> but I was like, both of them are in ball hats and like, um, 
like basketball shorts like both of them are in workout gear and i'm like just because you're a pro athlete doesn't mean you have to wear adidas all the time like you can wear some cargo shorts for crying out loud but i think they're like they've been doing a lot of workouts on citadel hill i guess yeah so i think they're like constantly ready for a workout at any point and they went into lululemon to buy more stretchy stuff Uh, more stretchy stuff yeah a man sometimes needs to wear stretchy pants that's evidently very true yeah We've taken a very long time to get to our shows. I realize that. How long have we been recording? For I've that? been recording for over an hour, but I started it before you got here. Okay. I like to have it rolling when we come in the room. Sure. So it's natural. You don't feel like you're recording a podcast. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So we talked, we, we, we decided on two quintessential sitcoms. Neither one of them new, both classics. Neither one of them needing of our recommendation. No. Uh, and in fact, the one I'm going to cover is what Hollywood Reporter calls the greatest show of all time. I, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Right. But it's definitely one of the most watchable shows of okay. all time. I would say it's the most binged. No, it's the most rerun, reran, binged, rerun, <laughs> binge show okay. that's ever been. I think people rewatch that show more than any show is rewatched. Very That's possible. what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. No, it's very clear. Yeah. Um, okay. So you want to, uh, I have the timer up. Are you ready? Okay. You wanna... Do you want me to intro the show? So the show that you're going to do is, of course, Friends. Friends. Uh, which is one of your favorite shows, too. I mean, yeah, I'm not alone in that. I don't, no, not at all. No. I don't think you'll have any problem. I, I think everyone, I think it's everyone's kind of favorite show. Except I watched least... two and a half episodes. So now I have to like compartmentalize and figure out which happened in the pilot. Right. Okay. Do you want me to whisper to you off air? No, don't. This okay. is just let me do her. All right. So in three, two, one. Start it over. You started it two <laughs> seconds early, and I'm going to go on go, not on one. Okay. This is a sport to me. On three, two, one, go. Four friends hanging out in a coffee shop. When Ross comes in uh, moaning about having just been left by his wife because she's a lesbian. He says, gee, I wish I could just be married again. Suddenly a bride enters and she's frantic. It's Rachel. She used to go to school with Monica. She decides she's going to get her life back in gear and not marry the rich guy because it's safe. She decides she's going to get a job. It's very difficult. She goes shopping. She gets cut off by her dad because she doesn't follow suit. And she gets a job working at the coffee house. I think you pretty much nailed it. Really just only covered Ross and Rachel, and I didn't even address the fact that there's clearly some some love tension between the two of them. Yeah, and there was like some other plot points. Monica's hooking up with a guy for the first time. Paul the wine guy. Paul the wine guy, and uh, Joey's trying to give Ross uh, uh, some some pointers about... Some, some get over it mojo. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. kind of eat more ice cream is what he says. And Chandler and Phoebe are largely underutilized except for weird little quips. Right. Which is interesting because initially it was conceived that Chandler and Phoebe, I think. Oh, this is interesting. I observed this. Mm-hmm. Chandler and Phoebe would be secondary characters in the show. Oh, no. We really owe the image of the six of them being the show together and equally to David Schwimmer. He was kind of the salary hero of Friends. Oh, wow. Who initially, and he was being paid the most off the top. Courtney Cox was the most famous. He was second most famous, but because he was a man, he was getting paid the most. Wow. And he said up front when all six of them were on board, let's go to the network. We're all going, I'll give up some of mine. Mm-hmm. We're going to divide this up. We're never doing this show with 
in 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 a situation where one person is making more than anybody cool. else. Good for him. Um, and that stayed true from the pilot in which they all made twenty two grand. Yeah. To uh, the final two seasons where they became the first uh, ensemble in television history in which everybody made a million dollars an episode. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. And and uh, it was a. Uh, oh, what else was I going to say about it? I what was David Schwimmer famous for? I don't. You don't know. I mean, Courtney Cox, Arquette, <laughs> Courtney Cox. She had been on Family Ties. She was the most right. famous. She had been around a she little bit. She was in the Bruce Springsteen video. Was on Definitely. Family Ties. Definitely. People knew who she was. Uh, yeah. Jennifer Aniston was not famous. She was super not famous. Matt LeBlanc had like no money. I think Chandler is the reason for the most laughs in any of the shows. I think if you like, you know, boiled it down. To laugh by laugh. Yeah, but to a formulaic fault where in the last couple of seasons, though he's still charming, right. it just came so that everything that came out of his mouth was a punchline. Was super sarcastic. And, and it was yeah. a little bit contrived. Yeah. We were talking about age before. Um, you're 28. I'm going to be oh, 26. Can, can Sorry. Can I just add in uh, that they kind of did the same thing with Joey where Joey was like borderline brain dead by yeah, the end of the show. Absolutely. <laughs> in fact, the, the trope of the... The television character who's super dumb, which exists in so many sitcoms, has often gotten that way where uh, just developmentally they get stupider to the point where you can't even imagine they could fend for themselves in the real world. (laughs) Right. That's absolutely true. They they all kind of fell into their own tropes so much. Like Ross was like the whiny guy. Um, Well, Ross went perfectly crazy. Yes. Like uh, Ross kind of gets the most shit. People say that they hate Ross because he's possessive and... uh, He's not a very good boyfriend, and right. he's not a good professional, and all of that's true. But that's part of the reasons why I love him. Like right. he's just so insane to watch. Yeah, he's great when he has like real mental breakdowns. <laughs> yeah, it's great TV. Yeah, and he's just yelling as Ross. And a couple of the most iconic episodes of Ross, uh, episodes of Friends, are centered around Ross. Like when he like gets ah his, salmon he, skin roll. Yes, Unagi. Unagi. When he gets his teeth whitened, or when he gets the <laughs> crazy tan. <laughs> yeah, the spray or tan. Or the one where Ross is fine when he realizes that Joey and Rachel are together. All right. That's insanely funny. Yeah. Yeah, and that was a later episode, later season. Yeah, and a lot of people kind of consider that when Friends started to jump the shark. They right. agreed together they shouldn't do more than 10 seasons. In fact, I think they only did 10 because they were getting paid so well. Right. Uh, and namely under the under the uh, the idea that they would spoil the show if they stayed too long. Yeah. I kind of think they did a little bit. Yeah. The Joey Rachel thing was a terrible idea, mm-hmm. and I think they realized that. I wanted to mention age because it's interesting that we are the age of the Friends considering the friends have always been adults to us. Right. Uh, Lisa Kudrow is the oldest. She played Phoebe. She was 31 in the pilot. She was already in her 30s. Okay. Which is kind of interesting. Uh, Courtney Cox was the second oldest. She was 30, Mm -hmm. which is weird because she seems like she'd be the youngest. Yeah. David Schwimmer is 28 in the pilot. He's two years younger than Monica, who is supposed to be his younger sister. Yeah. In the show. He seems so old. Matt LeBlanc is 27 in the pilot. Jennifer Aniston is 25 in the pilot. And Matthew Perry is 24 in the pilot. Whoa. Friends. Yeah. 24. Yeah. They all just look like such men. Yeah, I guess that's and true. And women, I guess. But I wonder if you and I were to star in a brand new sitcom, if we wouldn't look like men to people. That's true. 
I mean, although Joey kind of looked like a baby, I will say. He had silly hair, man. (laughs) Yeah, wasn't that ridiculous? Yeah. And pants. And his, like, leather vest. Everything was really weird. Yeah. Everything was really... get fleshed out, right? Did you notice uh, a couple of issues? Like, with okay, with the overall season, I brought this up to Jen, and she totally agreed. And she's like, no, the whole series technically doesn't make sense. Because... Yes. They, in the first episode, Monica doesn't even get invited to Rachel's wedding, but throughout the rest of the series, they make it seem like they have always been best friends. That is totally true. They must have looked back on that and totally regretted the fact that Bride kind of walks in and she's like, oh, that's my long lost friend, uh, Rachel. Except for that the idea is only like five years have passed since they've kind of become a little bit estranged. Right. And so those five years can be kind of erased through time if you've been close largely for a really long time. Yeah. Although you are right. I I kind of agree. Um, Did, Did you also notice in an early scene where someone else was speaking and... Phoebe, uh, Lisa Kudrow was in the corner of the camera and her mouth was moving. No like, way. Like, yeah, it was like a really bad, bad take. You can see moments of Will Smith doing that in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Really? Yeah. And in fact, you can see Emma Watson doing it in the earlier Harry Potter movies. Okay. Yeah. You can see those people moving like, along to other people's lines. Yeah. I don't even know if she was moving along to other people's lines or if that was a former line that they were kind of trying to crop her out of just to have like a reaction from someone else. Maybe. But she was still doing her line. Maybe. Interesting. I wasn't really sure. But there's a few things like that. Also, it kind of starts out like it really sets up that like, okay, <laughs> there's basically two scenes that happen back to back. Both in the coffee house. In the coffee house. I wanted to acknowledge that too. And I think that was done. I don't, you may have found it a little bit wonky. I kind of thought they were trying to set the tone of, here in the coffee house, we have philosophical discussions. Sure. And they're silly, but we talk about big things in silly ways like a comic strip. It really reminded yeah. me of like a Garfield. Totally. Yeah, I was going to say it kind of reminded me of like a, a skit show. Like it yeah. was almost like, okay, here's one premise they talk about. Boom. Here's another quick, premise quick they premise, talk setup, about. Setup, 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 punchline. Yeah. And then uh, jazz music, another one. Right. And I kind of thought they could have done more of that, except it would be hard to write that many of them for yes. 10 seasons. Yeah, definitely. Especially where there was kind of this overhanging, like, it wasn't all laughs. There were two people that were kind of sad yeah. trying to add laughs throughout yeah. it. I found Rachel's voice was very high. Yeah. like this, She's like doing a weird vocal affectation, which yeah. I think she, she does for the first year or so. Yeah. And she tones it, yeah, being like the daddy, but she's also only like supposed to be, maybe she's trying to kind of be a little bratty. Yeah, know? maybe a little bit whiny. Yeah. But that but that entitled uh, daddy's daughter, daddy's little girl thing kind of goes out the window. <laughs> Lasts for like two episodes. Rachel, in fact, Rachel becomes like the capable one in right. her family. Yeah. When later on she has uh, sisters in the show played by Reese Witherspoon and Christina Applegate. It's an interesting thing going on right now with that dynamic. Right. Um, Reese Witherspoon was initially Rachel's uh, bratty, awful sister. Yes. Selfish, bratty, awful sister. There's long been a rumor that the reason she never returned is because Jennifer Aniston didn't like her. Didn't oh, like wow. Jennifer Aniston and that she went, did, she went to the showrunners and said, please do not bring back Reese Witherspoon. I did not like her. That's like a, a very widely believed thing. And that that's why they hired Christina Applegate. 
crazy. That they gave Rachel a second sister because they wanted to, they had more ideas for how to handle the selfish bratty sister. And Reese Witherspoon was never back. Was never back. In fact, Christina Applegate did come back. Yeah. And won an Emmy. Yeah. She was funny. She was great. Yeah. But Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon are working on a show together right now. Oh, I love that. Me too. So I don't know if it's true. That makes, that makes me happy. I love when I hear that beefs are squashed. I don't know if there was a beef. Yeah. Hey, uh, other people who could have played the roles. Oh, interesting. Because the Friends pilot was the one that was going around yeah. at the time. Everybody wanted a piece of Friends. Everybody. The word about town was there's this pilot script for this new kind of sitcom that's mm-hmm. very special. Everybody thinks this show's going to be something. Yeah. I want in. So a couple of people who went after certain roles. Uh, Tia Leone was supposed to be Rachel. Okay. Believe that. Leah Remini auditioned for Monica. Ellen DeGeneres was offered Phoebe. Oh, wow. Turned it down. They offered it to Janine Garofalo. Turned it down. And she was later She was later guest star on the show, I think. Uh, Leah Remini? Janine Garofalo. Maybe. One I can I get to some of the guest roles in a second. I have sure. a list. Okay. Hank Azaria chased after Joey with all his might. Didn't right. get it, but later came back as Phoebe's boyfriend, David. Right. John Cryer almost was given Chandler when Chandler was initially conceived as gay. <laughs> John Favreau was offered Chandler and turned it down. Came back. Eric McCormick was offered Ross and turned it down. Wow. Regretted it. Yeah. Took Will and Grace. Yeah. A couple years later. So everybody could have been somebody else, all of whom are still super famous. Yeah. Which is amazing. Everybody could have been them. They could have been the friends. Would have been a very different thing. When I watched this episode in reruns on TBS mm-hmm. or whatever other network it might have been, they omitted the part where Paul the wine guy tells Monica his get you into bed line, which right. is ever since my wife left me, I haven't been able to perform sexually. Yeah. Monica chokes on water or something. Yeah. And he says it's been two years. Right. Which is later revealed to be a thing he tells women to get them into bed. And Joe, it cuts to Joey immediately saying, of course course it was was a line. line. Yeah. So for a very long time, I didn't know what the line was. You were in the dark about it. It it didn't make sense to me. I was like, what am I not understanding here? Why would they bother editing that? I understood by Monica's conversation with her coworker that Paul the Wine Guy was lying. Yeah. But I didn't know what the line was they were talking about. What a conservative time. I know. Hey, uh, listen to this because I just listened to a podcast with, uh, you know, Ezra Koenig. He does the time crisis thing. Yeah, yeah. He's the lead singer of Vampire Weekend. He had Cassie David on. So that's Larry David's daughter. She's okay. about 23. She does like a web series. She seemed okay, but kind of little bit annoying and like oh my god like kind of that way but also like i don't know she's writing stuff so good for her and apparently it's funny yeah um she said at one point that she thought that she's like oh my god i can't even talk about her friends like it's such a ripoff of seinfeld she thinks that the premise is completely like the exact same as seinfeld like what the fact that two people two shows take place in new york city apartments about friends hanging slash out together? Slash coffee shop, slash restaurant. It's like, t- I think, 
Yeah, and, and the point that, that some of the guest hosts made were like, well, I mean, tonally, it's completely different. But she's yeah. like, I mean, but like a New York apartment, it's like it's, someone's like, the Honeymooners did that a little bit yeah, earlier. Sonny, Seinfeld does not own New York apartment. No, and I don't think any of them would say that either. I thought it was really funny because she went to like f- like film school and she was like, it drove me so crazy. And she's like, and I love Friends. So she says that she loves Friends. What? But she thinks, I'm like... I think you're I feel like if Larry David, her basic. dad, heard her say that, he'd be like, shut up. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Shut up, daughter. Yeah. Hey, I want to read some of the, the celebrity cameos because no show has had celebrity cameos like uh, like Friends has. Sure. The list is just, it's staggering. Charlie Sheen, Tom Selleck, Sean Penn, Susan Sarandon, Jennifer Grey, Helen Hunt, Jeff Goldblum, Gianna, Giovanni Ribisi, Deborah Jo Rupp, Elliot Gould, Leah Thompson, Michael Rappaport. Jennifer Coolidge, Rebecca Romaine, Morgan Fairchild, Ralph Lauren, Selma Blair, Thomas Lennon, Jane Lynch, Hugh Laurie, mm-hmm. Ellen Pompeo, Richard Branson, which is weird, Fisher Stevens, Hank Azaria, Harry Shearer, Dan Castellaneta, all three of those people from yep. The Simpsons. Simpsons. David Arquette, Billy Crystal, Gary Oldman, Julia Roberts, Reese Witherspoon, Christina Applegate, John claude Van Damme, Charlton Heston, Jay Leno, Jason Alexander, Robin Williams, Dakota Fanning. It just goes on and on and on. Aisha Tyler, Alec Baldwin, Danny DeVito, Paget Brewster, Brooke Shields, Denise Richards, Kristen Davis, John Stamos, John Lovitz, Brad Pitt, George Clooney. Right. It's Noah like- Wiley, El McPherson, Kathleen Turner, Anna Ferris, Dermot Mulrooney, Freddie Prince Jr., Jim Rash, Cole Sprouse, which is funny. Ben Stiller, Paul Rudd, John Favreau, Winona Ryder, Christine Taylor, Bruce Willis, to name a few. Right. It's weird because were all of them necessarily stars at the time? Like Anna Ferris, I don't think was no, that probably famous. not. And Cole when... Sprouse was like two. Oh right, who is Cole Sprouse? He's uh, well, he's on he's on Riverdale now. He's Jughead, but he was uh, the, the Sweet Life Boys, the twins. Sure, he, he played he played uh, Ross's son. He played Ben Geller. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Crazy, but many of them were very famous. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Many of definitely. them were very famous, yeah. and and as a list as you get. Yeah, yeah, even at the time. Wow. What a show. Do you recommend it for people? <laughs> yes, definitely. If you've never seen Friends. <laughs> you should check this show Friends out. So here's, here's my question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're like well over an hour now. Okay. It occurred to me that our, there's another show our, show our second show could be paired with. Oh, okay. Which might be more sensible. Yep. Sure. And I wonder if we, we want to save it for next week. Yeah, let, let's save it because I think 50 is good for Friends. 50, I mean, some people call Friends the greatest show ever. We had a lot of preamble. That's I'm true. happy to have covered that show. We had a lot of deep discussion on Friends. Yeah. You know, I think it ended the way that we all wanted Friends to end. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of contributive a little bit to the, to the tropey romantic comedy concept of chasing somebody to the airport. Yes. But they did it pretty well. Right. They even threw Yellow Ledbetter in there by Pearl Jam. Did they? What a weird, like, little 30... Especially where... Was the that in t- the pilot? No, in the, the, in the season finale. Oh. Also, what was that song in the pilot? <laughs> Just, like, it was one, the, the only song that they played, besides Yellow Ledbetter, maybe, that had lyrics. Jackson Brown. Was that it's, what it was? It was a Jackson Brown song. <laughs> like a slow Jackson Brown song for, like... 10 seconds before a commercial break. You know what, though? Friends in the early seasons, and when I say the early seasons, I mean maybe a year or two, yeah. 
had good music. Really? Like when Ross and Rachel first got together, their song was With or Without You by U2. Oh. There was like a lot of music in it. And then later on, it just kind of became the little bumper music that played right. in between scenes. Like uh, That was Iconica Friends. Well, the, the theme song, there's an interesting story behind the theme song. Because the show got so huge. Yeah. It was just written for the show. Yeah. They were the going to be Shiny Happy right? People by R.E.M. Oh, man, that would have been amazing. Would have been a great theme song for the show, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you can see the video. They made it. Really? You can see it on YouTube. Just type in R.E.M. Friends. Um, but they commissioned a song to be written by these guys, the Rembrandts, and they wrote I'll Be There For You, which is like a 30-second song. Yeah. But because the show became such a hit, the Rembrandts decided to finish the song. Right. And it wasn't as good, but it became a big radio hit. Yeah. I remember playing on the radio again. And and there's a comedian that does the bit about, and you showed me this, the yeah. comedian that does the bit about uh, the second and third verses of like how it was so rushed together. And it doesn't does line up with the first sense. verse at all. No. It's very sloppy. Oh, God. But it's, it's a great, catchy though. song. We it's all love fun. it. That's true. Jen came out and did the clap for it. Oh, good. Yeah. I still do, still do that every time. Yeah. Hey, uh, S is all around for friends. Mm-hmm. S is for the show show with Sweets and Slaney. Yep. Gotta listen to it. Gotta, we recommend gotta our own show to you, the listener who's yeah. listening to it. Uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. We appreciate that. That's awesome. And uh, I want to say for the... It's not the 50th time. No, but it's probably more than 40 times now. Yeah. Because um, we were really, de- we were really determined on finding a sign-off phrase. Yes. we were w- willing to make it anything. Yep, <laughs> and it started out with "Never Go Outside," right? Which we like. I still like it. We still might use it sometimes. Yep, but I went outside a lot today, so I just don't live by it. Right, exactly. But, but I don't think you trust Will Smith that much, do you? Never trust Will Smith. We never trust. Will.